All right, today the scripture reading is from John chapter 13, verse 1 through 20. This is the word of God for us this morning. Let's give our full attention and our hearts to the reading of this word. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place. And when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. This is a reading of God's word. Let's give our full attention to the preaching of God's word. Thank you, Pastor Andrew, for the reading of the scriptures. Good morning. Happy New Year. My name is Daniel. Some people call me Dinko. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Central, namely the Artesia Campus pastor. The Artesia Campus, of course, uh, soon to be the church plant of Christ Central. Uh, it's my pleasure to ring in the New Year with you all with the privilege of preaching the Word of God. It was a pleasure to uh, see some of you guys last night as well at the joint New Year's Eve service. And before we get into uh, this specific sermon on John 13, could I just open us up in a word of prayer? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we can gather as your people, as brothers and sisters, as we start 2023. And Lord, as we look back on the year that has just ended, we do thank you for the many blessings we have received 
throughout 2022. Lord, we also thank you for sustaining us through the many pains of last year. And Lord, now as we truly start this new year colored by worship of you and the preaching of your word, would your Holy Spirit bless, encourage, nourish, build up your people? Would you give us ears to hear, hearts to understand? Would you soften our hearts uh, to receive your gospel? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the Bible story we just read, Jesus washing his disciples' feet, is a very well-known story from the Bible, a very powerful one at that. And we as a culture, we like stories like these, stories in which people in high positions lower themselves for the sake of others. Uh, That's why the TV series Undercover Boss uh, has been running for 11 seasons now. I don't actually watch it, but I had to Wikipedia that, and I was pretty surprised, actually, that it's still going on up to its 11th season. But I can understand why, as staged and cheesy as that show seems to me, at least, People like it when people in high positions lower themselves to serve others. That's why we love the ending of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. That powerful scene where uh, King Aragorn, the most powerful man now, now that he has returned to the kingdom of men, he chooses to bow to the lowly hobbits. And it's a powerful moment. And likewise, the washing of the disciples' feet is a powerful moment indeed. And it is important to note the setting of this moment. Uh, The washing of the disciples' feet, John 13, takes place in what is called the upper room discourse. The upper room discourse is uh, Jesus' farewell address to his disciples the day before his crucifixion. It's his last words. And there's a strong sense in which Jesus is sending out his disciples, and he's, he's telling them all these important things. He's giving them final instructions. He's telling them about how he's praying for them, and he even prays for them in front of them. And he colors it all. He sets the tone by washing their feet. And I'm sure Jesus wouldn't be opposed to setting the tone of 2023 for you and for me with this powerful account of his humble servanthood. And as we think about the new year, Uh, One thing I hope we're all looking very much forward to, I'm personally very much looking forward to, is, of course, the launch of our church plant, uh, which is really just two months away at this point. Uh, I do want to share with you the name of the church plant. Many of you know the name already, but uh, I don't think we've actually publicly announced this name yet. And the name of the church plant will be Kindred Presbyterian Church. Kindred, of course, simply meaning family. And uh, we appreciate your prayers uh, for us as we launch in just two months. But whether you're committed to Christ Central or you're committed to Kindred, today is a good day to remember that we are all sent by the Lord who serves. And as we consider the servanthood of our Lord, there are just three S words that I want to consider with you all. And so we will get right into it. The first S word that we see in our passage is standard. Jesus sets the standard for servanthood. In verses 15 and 16 of our text, it says, For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. 
He makes it quite clear. He is setting an example. He is setting a standard. He's saying, I did this for you, and now you need to do it too. To be clear, Jesus is not setting um, uh, some kind of ritual of literal foot washing, as if like that's something we're supposed to be doing all the time, washing each other's feet. Let's wash each other's feet today. Uh, that would not be a bad thing, but... Uh, it's quite clear he's not setting that as a specific ritual, and we know that because throughout the rest of the New Testament, uh, we don't see foot washing except mentioned only once in First Timothy, simply as regarded as an act of hospitality. But no, this washing of feet is a symbol of humble, sacrificial service. And this is the standard he's setting. And to truly appreciate this standard, we do have to appreciate the strangeness of what he's doing. How countercultural this is that he's washing their feet. The disciples, if you notice in the passage, were appalled. There's, you could almost feel this uh, silence, this deadening silence, until, of course, Peter speaks up and says his usual little comments. And for uh, people in Jesus' time, washing feet was truly reserved for the lowliest of servants. And there were some Jewish people in Jesus' time who believed that Jewish servants should actually never wash anyone's feet. And so when Jesus did what he did, it would have immediately felt so wrong to them culturally. This, it would have felt like it's too much. If you're familiar uh, with Korean culture at all, you know a big part of Korean culture is bowing. We bow to our elders. Uh, when, when we were young and we would go to our friend's house, we see our friend's mom or dad, we would bow, right? And I remember there was this one time when I was a teenager hanging around a bunch of wannabe gangster guys, and there were these older guys who made us bow to them. And the problem was they were like one or two years older than us at best. And of course, because of peer pressure, I still, I still did it. You, know, they say, oh, you have to bow to this guy. You have to bow to that guy. And I still remember, even as I bowed, just every fiber of my being was screaming, like, this is wrong. Like, we're not supposed to be bowing to guys like just a year or two older than us. This, this is culturally, socially, it's not right. And I imagine to, it, it's somewhat similar that the disciples also felt that feeling. This is just not right. For in my story, it was me feeling humiliated. For them, they were saying, our, our Lord, our rabbi, our teacher is humiliating himself. It's just wrong. And, and that makes us all feel embarrassed and weird. And what made it even harder to swallow for the disciples, of course, is that Jesus did this humiliating, humble, sacrificial act. And then he says, and if you want to follow me, if you want to be one of my disciples, if you call yourself a disciple, you need to do this too. You need to lower yourself this much too for one another. And it's safe to say the disciples did not expect that following Jesus meant they'd have to lower themselves, at least not like this. If anything, they thought following Jesus would raise their status. Yes, yeah, as, as Jesus inaugurated his kingdom and brought in the kingdom of God, they thought, man, we would be in like high positions, not washing feet. In Luke's account of the upper room discourse, basically the parallel account of this story, when, when this, uh, when, uh, during that time, the disciples are literally arguing about 
who is the greatest among them? And it almost sounds silly, right, to argue like who's greater, you or me, I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. But that's what the Bible tells us they were doing. And, and in Luke 22, verses 26 and 27, Jesus literally has to correct them. And he says, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and let the leader as one who serves. For who is the greater, one who reclines at table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am among you as the one who serves. And you know, we, we, we like to make fun of the disciples. They're, they're pretty easy targets when you read the Bible. But if we're honest with ourselves, we're not too different from them. If anything, we're probably not different from them at all. And we have to admit that Jesus washing disciples' feet is just as countercultural now as it was then. It's, it's rare, right? It's rare to see people willingly lower themselves for the sake of others in this world, especially people in high positions. But Jesus is saying, not you. Not so with you. I am sending you out as my representatives and you are gonna go and as you go to this world and bring the gospel to this world to people who don't know me, a big part of your MO is going to be humble, sacrificial service that looks a lot like foot washing in your families, in your workplace, in the culture, the, the larger com community. And of course, in the church. It's not a question of should I serve, but how should I serve? For the husbands in this room, do you think of your role as husband as one of service, as one of servanthood? Do you take the posture of a servant? Do you ask yourself, as a husband, how am I gonna, or as a father, how am I gonna serve my family today? Of course, it applies to wives as well. It applies to all of us in our workplaces. Do you see your job, your, even your secular job, as a way in which you serve your neighbor and you serve society at large? For students in our congregation, you are literally learning right now, being trained how to serve. And, how, and you're determining as students where the Lord is calling you to serve, perhaps for the rest of your life. And for us in the church, of course, we are called to humble service to one another, sacrificial service to one another. God actually gifts you with many different gifts so that you could give them away. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. For those of you who are committed to joining the church plant, to joining Kindred, uh, and if you've been at the meetings where we've been getting ready and, tr and preparing training, uh, you know that I've been laying it on kind of thick about how everyone is going to have to serve. All hands on deck. We're going to be a small, fledgling church, and we need everyone to do their part. We need everyone to pitch in with their gifts. We need everyone to feel like they are on the front lines of the mission. But, you know, that's not just true for a church plant. 
That's true for all churches. No church is meant to be a place where 20% of the people do 80% of the work, as we often hear. And actually, the reality is, when everyone is contributing their gifts, there's actually more room for rest. There's more room for breaks. There's diminished burnout. And the Lord gifts us. He doesn't just say, hey guys, serve, muster up, whatever. But he says, no, I gift you with many gifts. You have things in your arsenal that you can use to bless one another, to humbly serve one another, to lift one another up, to build one another up. And I, I don't know what you think of your gifts. Maybe you think highly of them. Maybe you think it, it's not much. But whether big or small, whether uh, on the, you know, some front-facing kind of gifts or more behind-the-scenes kind of gifts, the Lord brings them all together in a beautiful symphony. Like an orchestra with all its many instruments, with its many contributions. I've shared this with some of our leaders in the past. Uh, but my wife Priscilla, she used to play the French horn. And she shared this story with me that uh, was so uh, funny to me just to imagine her uh, as a teenager in in the band uh, playing this instrument. And she said how when she would practice at home, the French horn apparently didn't have many parts in the songs. So a lot of her practice time was spent like just counting time, you know, and just like imagining what the other music would be. And then ever so often she would and play her parts, right? And it, it would be kind of funny and, and, and a little bit uh, uh, anticlimactic, you could say. But then once practice rehearsal started with the whole band, she would see the beauty of how it all comes together and how her part comes together with the rest of the parts. And I thought, wow, what a beautiful picture of the church. What a beautiful picture of God's people when they are all serving with their gifts. Whether it's a French horn that doesn't seem like it has a lot of parts or, you know, the violin, something that's much more prominent. The Lord brings us together and creates this beautiful sound for the sake of the gospel. You might be thinking, all right, pastor, I get it. We're, we're called to serve, but you're laying it kind of, you're laying, laying it on kind of thick when it comes to serving in the church specifically. And I, I can understand why that might, uh, could potentially be off-putting, but there's a reason for this. There's a reason for this. It's because, and this leads to our second S word, Jesus actually sets the sequence for servanthood through this account of his washing of the disciples' feet. You know, there's a very important question to ask ourselves as we interpret this passage, and it's this. Now that Jesus has washed his disciples' feet and he says, now you gotta do it too, whose feet is he telling the disciples to wash? He says, you gotta do this too, and that's clear. But whose feet are they supposed to wash? Is this a matter of going out and washing other people's feet, people who don't know Christ? Is this a mission statement where you're supposed to wash the people's feet of the world? Or are they supposed to wash fellow disciples' feet? people within the Christian community, people within the church. And it is quite clear that, there, that Jesus sets the proper sequence, the proper order to servanthood. He says, before you can go out into the world and wash feet, which is important, we gotta serve those out in the world for the sake of Christ's name. But he says, before you do that, 
You need to be able to do that for your fellow brothers, your fellow sisters. We see that in verse 14 of our text. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. He's talking to the disciples, one another. We see that, those two words over and over again, one another, one another. In verse 35, this is, uh, we didn't read this in our passage, but it is, it just comes shortly afterwards. It's super important. He says, by this, all people, all people being people outside the church walls, they will know that you are my disciples if you have love, not for them, as important as that is. Obviously, it's common sense. We got to love the people outside the church walls too. But he chooses to specifically say here, if you have love for one another. The people of this world who don't know Christ will know that you belong to Christ. They will know that it is a special thing to belong to Christ by how you love and serve one another. Jesus is saying, yes, I am sending you out into this world. But as one theologian by the name of Andreas Kostenberger says, This self-sacrifice and service to one another is the prerequisite for mission. We need to be all about mission, but there's a prerequisite, which is our service to one another. And it makes sense, right? Like, why would someone want to become a Christian if they see Christians not serving one another? If they don't see Christians humbly taking care of one another, lowering themselves so that they could lift up the other? Why would anyone want to belong to that community if that community isn't something in which you'd want to belong. We need to be a community where people on the outside can look in and say, I wouldn't mind being part of that. I don't, I'm not sure about God. I'm not sure about the Bible. I'm not sure about Jesus yet. But I see the way they serve one another. I see the way they humbly care for one another. And I wouldn't mind being part of that. But here's the rub. Sometimes, I think we can all admit this, sometimes the hardest people to serve are the ones sitting right next to you. Because the church, a lot like a family, is made up of people you didn't choose. It's not like your group of friends where you get to kind of handpick who you hang out with. To a degree, at least, the church is a bunch of people you're kind of stuck with. And if it happens to be that you're stuck with people you just naturally vibe with, people who never rub you the wrong way. Praise God, that's great. But most likely, chances are, that's not going to be the case for you. Most likely, we're going to encounter people who do rub us the wrong way, who are perhaps hard to serve. After all, even Jesus' own disciples were people who were arguing about who's the greatest. They were people who were appalled at the thought of having to wash one another's feet and Jesus washing their feet because that's just something they would have never thought to do. They would have never thought, oh yeah, I would like, Peter never thought, I would like to wash Judas' feet. He never thought that. And so they think this is crazy. And we can't miss how many times Judas is even referenced in this passage. Did you notice this? Before Jesus washes their feet, Judas is referenced. While he's washing their feet, Judas is referenced. And then afterwards, when he's explaining why he washed their feet, he references Judas again. You can't miss it. And then, of course, there's Peter with all his little comments, his posturing, his foolishness that you know, often reflects our own foolishness. To serve the people nearest to you is sometimes the greatest challenge, actually. I recall a TV show where a mother chastises her adolescent daughter who cares so much about social issues but is really 
unkind to her family. And in a very poignant moment, the mother says, it's funny how you're able to have so much compassion for all these groups of oppressed peoples you don't even know, and yet not for your family. And it reflects, it reflects our, all of our reality. I don't know if it's still a thing, but I recall there was a time when random acts of kindness was like all the rage. I remember I visited a college campus a couple years ago, a few years ago, and I even noticed that there was a random acts of kindness club where they would go around and just do random acts of kindness all across campus. And of course, do not get me wrong, all acts of kindness are precious and good. But we all have to admit it's easier to do a random act of kindness for someone you don't even know than to do a direct act of kindness to the Peter or to the Judas sitting right next to you. But that is the sequence of things. If we are to serve the broken and imperfect people outside the church walls, we must first be able to serve the broken and imperfect people right next to us. You know what's so remarkable about Jesus serving and washing the feet of even Judas and Peter is that as he is doing this humiliating, humbling, sacrificial act, as he lowers himself to wash Judas's feet, he still calls him out for what he's going to do. As he humbly washes the feet of Peter, he still openly corrects all his foolish comments. And it shows us that the humble service that Jesus is modeling for us is not some sort of people-pleasing. It's not something we do because we're pushovers and we want people's approval. No, this is the sort of humble service that can actually be coupled with correction. This is the sort of humble service that actually can be coupled with speaking up and calling one another out even. But washing feet certainly does change the spirit with which we do those things. Jesus would wash the feet of people who would ultimately let him down. And being a church community doesn't mean we're never going to let each other down. People will let you down even if we are the household of God. Perhaps even pastors might let you down. Maybe I'll let you down one day. I hope not, but it could happen. Being a church community doesn't mean that we're never going to rub each other the wrong way. But what I hope it does mean for us in 2023 and beyond is that we will be a people who can serve one another humbly and sacrificially even as we call out and correct when it's needed. The fact that Jesus would wash Judas's feet and Peter's feet and really all of their feet is quite remarkable. It's amazing, the servanthood of Christ, to think he knew exactly what Judas would do. And he knew that Peter would even deny him as in, his, in his worst moment, in his hardest moment. And he would still do this humbling act. And yet there would be something even more amazing about Jesus' servanthood. And this leads us to our last point. One last S word is salvation. Jesus saves through his servanthood. 
He saves through his servanthood. In uh, verse 8 of our text, Jesus actually gets a little bit scary. You know, Peter, he, he, he wants to kind of show that he's better than the rest. So he actually says, Jesus, you will, you will never wash my feet. I won't allow it. It's too much. And Jesus gets a little scary and he answers him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Basically, he's saying, if you don't let me do this, you don't belong to me. If you don't let me do this, get away. If you don't let me do this, you're not one of us. You don't, you're not a Christian. You're not my follower. And Jesus says this as a way of pointing to something so much greater. That it's not just about the, the washing of the dirt off anyone's feet. But Jesus humbly serving his people like this points to really the rest of his life. This is not some one-time deal for Jesus. This is not undercover boss where after the cameras stop rolling, he can just you know, go back to his office, doesn't have to mingle with the commoners anymore. No, that Jesus would go on to serve. He would serve in the greatest of ways that I'm sure if, you're, if you've even been a Christian for a short time, you, can, you know what's coming. He would serve and wash and cleanse, not with water from a basin, but he would cleanse his people through his blood. He would serve not just on his hands and feet with a towel, but he would serve ultimately by hanging on a cross. And you might be thinking, well, but isn't he glorified and exalted now? Well, guess what? He is still lowering himself even now as he intercedes for you, as he prays for you, as he cares for you, as he stands as your defender, as he stands as your representative. He is still lowering himself to be your savior, even now, even in his exalted state. And Jesus makes clear, I am your teacher, I am your Lord, and I'm still doing this for you. But you know, he even goes further in verse 19 of our text. He, in, in talking about Judas, he actually concludes by saying that you may believe that I am he. And if you're familiar with the gospel of John at all, it's filled with I am statements, which, is, uh, which in the original Greek is ego eimi. You may have heard that phrase before in other sermons, other teachings. He says, ego eimi, I am he, and this is a reference actually to his divinity, basically reminding us God would serve sinners like you and me. God would humble himself, and God in Jesus Christ would die on a cross to save you and me, to change you and me, to now bless others through you and me. And that really changes everything for us. Now we can humble ourselves and serve one another, not so that we can gain something for ourselves, but so that the world might gain Christ. And our service to one another is no longer one of mere duty or coercion, just because the pastor said, 2023, wash our feet. Let's wash each other's feet. But purely as a response to God becoming man, God becoming a servant, our Savior, washing dirty feet and dirty souls by going on a cross. I know that 2022 has been rough for you. I know that because it's been rough for me. I mean, of course, for all of us to varying degrees, but 2022 was rough. There was a lot of people getting sick, 
probably, you probably got sick. If not COVID, RSV or something else, our kids got sick. There was a lot of loss, funerals, things like the war in Ukraine continuing on, cryptocurrency continuing to fall. There's a lot we're dealing with that we dealt with in 2022. And please understand, I'm not trying to add more hardship to you in 2023 by preaching from this text. And Jesus certainly is not trying to add more hardship to his disciples as he sends them out by saying, now you need to wash one another's feet. Because Jesus is someone who says, yes, you do need to serve one another humbly and sacrificially. Yes, you do need to take up your cross daily and die to yourselves. And yet that same person says, I will give you rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. How does the same person say those such seemingly disparate comments? It's because Jesus is not like the world. The world says, serve, serve, and serve so that you could climb up, so that you could make a name for yourself. Serve so that you could achieve. Serve so that you could find approval. Serve so that you can matter. Serve so that people would applaud you. And when you serve with that mentality and you're climbing and you're climbing, it is exhausting. It it can only lead to exhaustion. It can only lead to burnout. But Jesus is different. He says, serve not to climb, but because I've come down. Serve because you've, I've already served you. I've already cleansed you. I've already made you my own. You don't need to do this in order to belong, but you do this because you belong to God and to one another. And we can actually serve freely. We can serve joyfully. We can serve as a response. The German theologian Martin Luther, he once said this, a Christian man, a Christian person is the most free Lord of all and subject to none. A Christian person is the most dutiful servant of all and subject to everyone. Definitely a paradoxical statement. The Christian, or at least the Christian should be, the freest Lord and the greatest servant. And that paradox only makes sense. That paradox can only be true in your life when you've been sent by the Lord who serves. When you've been served by Christ himself. When he has washed you and washed your feet and served you by hanging on a cross. Only then can we be the freest servants of all. For Christ Central, for Kindred, coming up in March. May our prayer be that the world would look at us and say, belonging, that they belong to Jesus, and belonging to Jesus means something. Belonging to Jesus is special because of the way we serve and care for and love one another. Can we take a few moments at this time to pray? Uh, We're going to spend actually an extended time praying, uh, and I'll I'll ask the praise team to uh, come play some music for us. As we spend some time praying, can I ask you to pray?
for really yourself, think to ask the Lord, how should 2023 look when it comes to servanthood in my life? However that may look, would you at this time lay that down before God, ask God for his help. Let's pray, Lord, help me to be a servant. Help me to know how I should be a servant in 2023. Could I also ask that you pray for our church plant? Although not everyone here will be part of the church plant, it is this church, Christ Central, who sends this new fledgling church, Kindred Presbyterian. And we covet your prayers. We're, we're only two months away from launch. Would you pray especially for the church to be on mission, that we would reflect Christ and his gospel well to people who need it. Could you pray for our church plant? I humbly ask for your continued prayers. let's continue to pray for Christ Central and her continued ministry let's pray specifically that this church would be a place where those in the world those who are outside the church walls might look in and see disciples of Christ to see the specialness of that especially as fellow disciples, serve one another, care for one another, humbly give and love one another. Let's pray for Christ Central at this time.